0: I want to give us some celebrations. Uh, Kids, head to the kids' table. If you are ages pre-K, yes, 4 through 5th grade, and you want to go to our kids' table where they have listening... Yes? Kindergarten through 5th grade, sorry. um, Head to the kids' table, and they have listening guides for you and activity sheets, and uh, it'll be an opportunity for you to... uh, Well, be active while you listen. rest of you, turn to 1 Thessalonians. If you don't have your own copy of God's Word, as of last week, we got to put our racks in the chairs, finally. And now there are pew Bibles, chair Bibles, uh, in the seats in front of you. So if you don't have a Bible at all, please take one. Go home with it. Uh, But if you just need one this morning that you want to look on with, you can look in there. You can, have, uh, you can use one of those. Celebrations this week. Well, we've got a few. Uh, a couple is we have two anniversaries this week. Uh, one of them is for Elizabeth Fontenot, who has been our church secretary now for three years. Um, she's in here somewhere, or was, or maybe... Anyway, she's been our church secretary for three years now. And then uh, Misty Watts has been our custodian, now facilities manager, for 22 years. Uh, And so we are very thankful for their ministries to our church. So let's give them a hand, and we'll tell them y'all clap for them when we see them. Other celebrations. Last Sunday morning, we had... 144 people in church. That is the largest number we've had since February 2nd of 2020. In over two years, we hit our highest attendance. That is incredible. I mean, revival weeks tend to do that, but I'm excited that we had that many. But as exciting as that is, I think the next stat is even more exciting. Over the next four nights, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday night, we averaged 114, never getting under 101. Now, remember that our average Sunday morning attendance for the last couple of years has been hovering in the high 90s and just got to the low 101-102 range a few months ago, so we had more on weeknights, actually more on Tuesday night. Tuesday night was our uh, second largest night, Wednesday night was our largest night than we've had almost Sunday mornings for the last two weeks, or two years, rather. So that's a celebration that folks are coming out to be renewed. And this last week, one youth gave her life to Christ and accepted salvation through him. And multiple decisions happened in here in our services. We're exciting, excited about that. And then five baptisms this morning, y'all. God is working in our church. God is not done with our church. I, if it yet, yeah, clap for that, cause that's a good thing. And if it took a renew week to get us to see that and maybe to be more sensitive, to, sensitive to that, well, hallelujah. I'm glad we are now open to it and, and understanding or, or, or seeing it. Or maybe God just chose this time to work. Either way, he's working. Etta told you, nope. Amy told you about our memory verse that we're going to be uh, going through. Um, she didn't. Somebody mentioned it. Oh, you mentioned it in Connect Group this morning. That's where I heard it. So, go back a slide, Justin. Let me talk about our, our, our series for First Thessalonians. The title of the series for the next nine weeks is In Word and Power. That's what Paul says the gospel came with in chapter 1, verses uh, 5 and 6. So, for those nine weeks, now your, your, your D group guide has uh, a, a memory verse for every week. Well, we're going to preempt that, and, and this was all decided after our guides were printed and out. We decided to do this a week or so ago. We're going to have one memory verse for those nine weeks so that we as a church are learning it together. And that's the next ver- the next screen. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 1, 4 through 5. That's the next screen. Our memory verse. There we go, is the next screen. 1 Thessalonians one four through five. Now we're going to have this on our Facebook page. It's going to be on uh, our Faith Life page. It will be prominently displayed in the foyer for you to see this week as you walk by. We are going. We have bookmarks with that verse on there. Uh, is this the only place they are? Right now, they're only up here, so you can come by and get them from up here. We'll also have them at the Connection Center eventually. So, you can put this in your Bible, marking your next reading for D-Group, your discipleship reading, and have your memory verse right there in front of you. We're also going to start saying this verse together on Sunday mornings before we get into the message. So this morning, just to kind of get in that habit, yes, I, I know you're, it's new to you, but uh, I, I, it's all good English, so I think you can handle it this morning. So let's read it together. And if, you're, if you grew up Baptist, and you're used to, uh, what do we call them, responsive readings, and you know how slow we read those things? Or maybe I was the only one. Maybe that's just the cadence that it has to be for us to... Be able to read it together. But let, we're going to try to speed that up a little bit so we don't sound like, I don't know what we sound like. Motors that can't get started, I think, is what we sound like. So let's read it together. For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that He has chosen you because our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power, in the Holy Spirit, and with full assurance. 1 Thessalonians 1 4 5. Always say the address, because if you don't, you'll forget it. I do. So we got to say the address. So that's going to be our memory verse. And over the weeks, I hope that we get to just take that down. As a matter of fact, in two or three weeks, we will. We won't put that up for the saying of it. I'll put it up to remind you. And you're like, oh yeah, i got to remember it. And then we'll say it together. This morning... We are in First Thessalonians, and we missed last Sunday because Ed Litton was here, and I was happy to miss to have him preach and bring such a powerful message to us. But we didn't get to start our message series with our D-group readings. So this week, we're going to be looking at 1 through 212, two, uh, one and a half chapters. But we're not digging deep into those chapters this morning I was kind of debating this week. It wasn't a kind of a debate. It was a debate uh, about what to do. Do I, do I go back and do we do chapter 1 this morning and kind of catch up? Except we wouldn't catch up. We'd still be a week behind. So do I just do uh, chapter 2 verses 1 through 12 this morning and not worry about last week? But I also wanted to talk to you some this morning about just how amazing Renew Week was. And, and we know how amazing it was to us who participated in it and came and listened and were a part of it. But I, I want you to hear how God brought that together. I've given you some details along, but I wanted to express it a little more in depth. But I didn't want to not go to Scripture. Then I started working on the message and decided we're going to kind of do both weeks. So 1, chapter 1 through chapter 2 verse 12 and I began to see how much that scripture, that passage spoke to what we've experienced not just in the last week but in the last six months that we've been putting this together. We'll talk about that in a minute and you'll hopefully see it uh, and, and be astounded at God and, and, and worship Him because of it uh, as it has led me to. But Let's just talk about something for a minute. First of all, Renew Week ends today, but renewal can't end today. Tonight, we'll have Fred Luter come and uh, bring God's Word to us. You you do not want to miss that. Uh, You you don't at all want to not be here for that. Quint will uh, be uh, leading worship for us tonight. Again, not the full band this time, just Quint, him and his guitar or the piano. It's going to be a great, great service. I know what Fred is preaching on. I'm telling you, you don't want to miss it. I've heard him preach a number of times. I know the passage he's going to be preaching on, so I can already hear him preaching it in my head. And as good as that is, it's going to be better. I'm telling you. You do not want to miss Fred preach on the dry bones, okay? You want to be here for that. But even if it ends tonight at 7.30ish, 7.45, who knows how long he's going to preach? Renewal cannot end. It's got to be a daily thing, a weekly thing. We have to, as a church family, come in here and renew as we gather in worship together, as we are discipled together in connect groups and in our discipleship groups. Renewal is a regular thing for believers. Paul tells believers in Ephesians to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We're filled with the Holy Spirit not when we're baptized, but when we accept Christ. The Holy Spirit fills us and, and we get all of the Holy Spirit we're ever going to get. And yet Paul says in Ephesians to not just be filled with the Holy Spirit, but the, the, the verse actually says, be continually being filled with the Holy Spirit. So there's this sense that though we are filled to the brim with the Holy Spirit at salvation, we get all the Holy Spirit we need we as believers need to constantly plug in to that power source. We have to constantly be spending time with the Lord in word, in His word, and in prayer so that we are continually being filled with the Spirit. The Christian life is, is draining. To be a believer in the world is difficult And so we have to plug into that source. So we need renewal all the time. So we can't stop tonight and say, glad that's done, we can get on with things. And we see in this letter from Paul, as he begins the letter to the Thessalonians, we see that their renewal... Caused the renewal of many others. Now, in fact, we could probably say that the Thessalonians' renewal, not their renewal, caused the renewal of others. Because it was their salvation that led to others' salvation. But it also, their salvation did lead to the renewal of others. They heard about their strength and their perseverance in the midst of persecution. And other churches said, man, if they can handle that, we can handle that. Not because they were inherently weaker or anything like that. But we are just encouraged when we hear brothers and sisters for example, today in Ukraine, where this morning, a while ago actually for them, churches got up and met in the midst of war. I read this week that some, uh, some of our Baptist church brothers and sisters are housing and feeding up to 100 people a day who are refugees in their own country from the war that's going on in, uh, in their, their towns in, uh, in particular. We can be renewed by their faith. And that's what Paul says about these Thessalonians. Their renewal caused the renewal of many others. What we're going to see this morning is that that's the whole point. That's the whole point of our renewal. Let's read what Paul had to say to the church in Thessalonica. Starting in verse 1, Paul sylvanus and timothy to the church of the thessalonians in god the father and the lord jesus christ grace to you and peace we always thank god for all of you making mention of you constantly in our prayers we recall in the presence of our god and father your work produced by faith your labor motivated by love and your endurance inspired by hope in our lord jesus christ man there's a sermon right there but I don't have time for that today. Verse 4, here's our memory verse. For we know, brothers and sisters, uh, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power, in the Holy Spirit, and with full assurance. You know how we lived among you for your benefit. And you yourselves became imitators of us and of the Lord when in spite of severe persecution you welcomed the message with joy from the Holy Spirit. As a result, you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia for the word of the Lord rang out from you. Rang out. There's a sermon there, but I don't have time for that this morning. Not only in Macedonia and in Achaia, but in every place that your faith in God has gone out. Therefore, we don't need to say anything, for they themselves report what kind of reception we had from you, how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. Chapter 2. For you yourselves know, brothers and sisters, that our visit with you was not without result. On the contrary, after we had previously suffered and were treated outrageously in Philippi, as you know, we were emboldened by our God to speak the gospel of God to you in spite of great opposition. For our exhortation didn't come from error or impurity or an intent to deceive. Instead, just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak, not to please people, but rather God, who examines our hearts." For we never used flattering speech, as you know, or had greedy motives. God is our witness. And we didn't seek glory from people, either from you or from others. Although we could have been a burden as Christ's apostles, instead we were gentle among you as a nurse nurtures her own children. We cared so much for you that we were pleased to share with you not only the gospel of God but also our own lives because you had become dear to us. For you remember our labor and hardship, brothers and sisters, working night and day so that we we would not burden any of you. We preached God's gospel to you. You are witnesses, and so is God, of how devoutly, Righteously and blamelessly we conducted ourselves with you believers. As you know, like a father with his own children, we encouraged, comforted, and implored each of you to live worthy of God, who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. You can hear Paul's parental, pastoral love for that church. And how he led them and and preached to them and taught them and discipled them once they had become believers. We're going to pull out some some verses here. It's a long section of scripture. We're not going to spend nearly as much time on it as I would normally do. But we're going to look at a few things. This morning we're first going to look at the fact that, that as the title of this this whole series says, the gospel came in word and power. That's verse uh, chapter 1, verse 5. Again, part of our memory verse. The gospel came in word and power. Did not come to word in, come to you in word only, Paul says, but also in power in the Holy Spirit and with full assurance. The gospel comes to save you. That's that's evidenced this morning by the baptisms that that we celebrated. That's evidenced by the fact that we had a, a young uh, youth, a young lady, youth member get saved this past week. The gospel comes to save. That's the number one priority of the gospel. The good news that Jesus died for you to take away your sins and that by forgiveness from God through Christ you can have a relationship with God that will last for all of eternity. That is the good news and that is the gospel and that is the first message of the gospel. There are a number of alternate messages, and I mean alternate in a good way, that go along with that maybe the gospel comes with help after a disaster to get mud out of a house or after a a war tears up an area or to take food to hungry people the gospel comes with those things that we're meeting so we're meeting both physical and spiritual needs but the gospel's purpose first and foremost is to save souls. It's not just a feel good thing. It's not just a it's not just hell, get out of hell insurance either. It is to change people. It is to change you and me from the inside out. The gospel comes to save you. But secondly, the gospel comes to change you. Verse 7 tells us that while it changes us it saves us internally it changes us externally verse 7 says as a result you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia as a result of their salvation they became an example to others now what does that mean does it simply mean their changed lifestyle from before Christ to after Christ? Well, it certainly does mean that, but it means more than that. Paul is going to get into some of the persecution that they experience in Thessalonica, and he's going to tell them, it is your example, it is your living through that and maintaining your faith that is an example. See, it changed them. Would they have been able to maintain their faith in whatever they put their faith in prior to Christ, would they have been able to maintain their faith through persecution had their faith been in something other than Christ? Maybe, maybe not. We know they would not have had the power of the Holy Spirit to help maintain them, or maybe even to do the maintaining itself. So they were different They handled persecution, they handled what was going on in life at that moment differently because of the gospel. See, the gospel had changed them. But Paul's going to write in some of his other letters, uh, particularly about Macedonia. The Macedonian Christians, Thessalonica being some of them, who are later on going to give to help the church in Jerusalem through a famine, And they are going to give financially in such a way that Paul says, there are so many people that gave out of their excess, gave out of their their wealth, and you, you gave out of your poverty. You didn't have it to give, and yet you gave it. Why did they do that? Because they were changed. They were different. The gospel had saved their soul and changed their lives. And this goes into any other aspect of our lives. We are changed. We don't respond to people the same way after Christ. At least we shouldn't. We don't respond whatever your job is and whoever you have to deal with on a daily basis. We respond differently to those people Because of Jesus in us. We respond differently to those people we consider less than or others because of Jesus Christ. So while the gospel changes us by saving us, it doesn't just stop there. We are changed regularly by the gospel. And I don't care how long you've been saved, the gospel should still be changing you. 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 80 years, the gospel daily through regular time with the Lord in his word and in prayer, you are constantly being changed. Because Paul didn't say be continuously being filled with the Holy Spirit up until the point you think you've gotten enough and you're good enough. He's talking about forever till you die, and then well you get to see the Lord in person and you don't need the Holy Spirit in you anymore. The gospel came in word and power to save you and to change you. One of the ways it changes us, and we see it in uh, this letter to Thessalonians, is the change can change our reputation. The gospel, the change that the gospel brings in our lives, changes our reputation. Verses 8 through 10, the word of the Lord rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but every place your faith in God has gone out. We don't need to say anything for they, those people that talk about you, report what kind of reception we had from you. How you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. The gospel that brings change, the change brought by the gospel, can change our reputation. Our reputation. I'm talking about our church's reputation. If I ask you right now to think in your mind, what does the community of Sulfur, Carlos, Maplewood, any other areas that we may have influence in or over, if I asked you right now, what does the community think about us? I'd probably get a whole bunch of different answers. And some of those answers would be positive. I'm afraid some of those answers wouldn't be as positive. And does, it, does that reputation stem from the last this many years, or was it this many years, or does it go back this many years, or is it even further back? It really doesn't matter how far back it goes. It does not matter what the reputation is about, what it stems from, or who is spreading it. What matters is... Is our church following Jesus so closely that the community sees the change in the hearts of our people to the point that our reputation changes? Will we be discipled to the point that when somebody says, hey, do you know anything about First Baptist Church? They go, man, I don't get it. I don't understand church. I don't know anything about church. I know they talk about this Jesus fella. I know there's this this idea of following him or whatever. Sounds kind of weird to me. But let me tell you what that church did for me when I was in need. Let me tell you what I have heard about how that church loves each other. Let me tell you how, when they had a church member that had problems, how they came together. He's my cousin. She's my aunt. They showed up at her house. They were with her. They walked her through that. Let me tell you, I don't know anything about the Jesus that they talk about, but I do know something's different about that group of people down the road, and I've seen it in the lives of my friends and family members. What if that was the reputation of First Baptist Sulphur? And maybe it is in some places. But maybe it's not everywhere. That's what they should think about us. I just went ahead and answered the question, the second question that's up there. They should think, man, I know some messed up people that go to that church. Because you know what? I do too. I know a whole bunch of messed up people that go to this church. And I'm the chief messed up. And that's what we're supposed to be. The community should know. I know some messed up people that go to that church, and they love them anyway. They tell me how welcome they feel at that church. Because, and they know, they know the messed up that they are. They don't agree with them on anything doesn't matter if you're talking about who has the best hamburger in Lake Charles or who should have been voted for for president. We don't agree on anything, and yet they love me anyway. What a reputation. But that's not a reputation we can gain and gather just by force of will. I'm going to be, we're going to be that church. No, when the gospel of Jesus changes us, then our reputation changes. If we want to see renewal in our community, then we've got to see renewal in our church. When the gospel changes us, it will change our reputation. Paul continues in chapter 2, verse 1. He says to the church in Thessalonica, For you yourselves know, brothers and sisters that our visit with you was not without result. If Ed Litton goes to his office tomorrow, if Andy goes to his home office tomorrow, he's retired, so he, he just gets a home office, if Adam Greenway sits in his office in Fort Worth at the seminary, if Marcus over at... Crossroads Church in the Woodlands, sits down in his office tomorrow morning, if after Fred visits us tonight and preaches to us, and he goes home this evening, shows up in his office at Franklin Avenue in the morning, if they sat down and wrote a letter to First Baptist Sulphur, just just general to the church, would that letter say, as Paul wrote to the Thessalonians, for you yourselves know, brothers and sisters, That my visit with you was not without result. Would they hear about the revival at First Baptist Sulphur in Mobile, Alabama, in Lake Charles, Louisiana, in Fort Worth, Texas? in the woodlands, Texas, in New Orleans, Louisiana, would they be able to write that letter and say, maybe it's not tomorrow, maybe it's six months from now, maybe it's a year from now, maybe it takes some time for it to grow, takes some time for our reputation to change, but will they be able to write a letter saying, I have heard about the change at that church. I know that our visit was not without result we came and we brought the word of God to you. If we kept going, I could go through this entire verses 1 through 12 and point out how these men came for no other reason than to share the gospel, of the gospel of change with this church. Can they down the road say to us, I have heard about the change. I have heard about the fact that our visit with you was not without result. Will there be change, First Baptist Church, because of a few days of incredible preaching and worship? We didn't have a week of incredible preaching and worship just so we could have a week of incredible preaching and worship. We had a week of that for change what will we do with what we've heard? Were the message, messages biblical? Yes. Did we hear any heresy, any error from what they were saying? Because trust me, I don't take lightly people coming in and preaching from this stage to to the church that I have been given charge over as pastor, to the people over which I have been given charge as pastor. I don't take that lightly. That's why it's a joke, always been a joke between me and Tom, that I always had Tom preach when I wasn't going to be here. And I told him, well, I want to hear you preach. And that's not the case. The case was that I trusted Tom. I didn't have to worry a thing about what he said when he stood on this stage. But when I get a guest preacher, I don't care if it's the president of a seminary. Yes, I trust them. But I'm going to be here as the pastor to make sure they are not leading our people astray somehow. And so I sat here and I always sit here listening. Everything they say. Because sometimes they just phrase things a little differently. Just a little, oddly, and I go, eh. okay, let me think about this. He said this and this and this, and then he said, okay, and I, all right, I see what he meant there. But you know what my worry is immediately? What did everybody else hear him say? Could they have taken that? Y'all, it, it goes through my mind. I miss the next five or ten minutes of the sermon because I'm trying to make sure that what was just said fits and is something you need to hear They were biblical. They were accurate. They were passionate. If you did not hear the concern for our church from the mouths of those four men, the fifth one tonight, then I don't know who you were listening to because that's what I heard. Concern and love, passion and compassion for our church. And I'm going to call him out right now. Andy carried the, the most passion and compassion for our church. Because this was not at all abstract for him. Not saying it was abstract for Ed, Adam, and Marcus. But they're not here every week. This isn't their home church. I know for a fact Andy stood here with all of his heart and desires with all of his heart to see our church renewed. But I'm equally as confident that the other four men did as well, or at least and will tonight. So if, if there's nothing wrong with what they've said, if we're, not, if we're not having to sift through any things, then what are we going to do with what we heard? Oh, certainly we can say again. It was they was those were good messages. Those were nice. Boy, sure sure enjoyed that. I can enjoy a football game. Ain't gonna change my life. I can enjoy a great meal over here at nineteen ten on Ryan Street across from the courthouse. It ain't gonna change my life. I don't come to church. I don't come to a revival meeting. I don't go to conferences where I hear preachers in order to say, that was nice. We go to have our lives changed. Will there be change? Well, that question can only be answered by you as individuals. Because as I said, I think two weeks ago, we will only see corporate change in our church when we see individual change in the lives of our members. We'll never be a church that changes our reputation until we are members that change our hearts. As we keep reading, specifically verses 4 through 6, let me focus a little bit just on Renew Week. Renew Week for God's glory. Why did we have Renew Week? Well, verses, two, uh, verses 4 through 6 give us a glimpse here of why the apostles preached the message to Thessalonica. I believe shows us why these men came to share God's word with us over this past week. Instead, just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak. Not to please people... But rather God, who examines our hearts, the hearts of the speakers. For we never used flattering speech, as you know, or had greedy motives. God is our witness. And we didn't seek glory from people, either from you or from others. Ed, Andy, Adam, Marcus, Fred, they did not hear we're not here and will not be here to seek glory from us, but to give glory to God. Renew Week was for God's glory. See, we regularly as individuals, as a church, need revival. We've needed revival for a long time. I believe we have needed revival for five and a half years. You know how long I've been pastor of this church? Five and a half years. years. So from the moment I came to this moment right now, we have needed revival. Truth is, we regularly always needed, need revival. But there was never a time where it felt right to schedule a revival. And that's a dumb word anyway because we don't schedule revival. We have services that hopefully will help us get into a mindset of uh, hearing from the Lord so that He can do revival in our church, but we don't schedule a revival. God shows up when God shows up. The truth is, God shows up every week. The problem is, our bodies are here, but the rest of us ain't. Most Sundays. Especially after Time Change Sunday, when we lost an hour of sleep, and we'd really rather be taking a nap right now instead of listening to Michael drone on. I get it. I'm sleepy too. I have the benefit of talking, though, so I don't go to sleep usually when I'm talking. But it's never felt right to schedule a revival. We've talked about it a number of times. I've talked about doing, uh, with with Tom and Amy, over the years, this event and that event. Let's do a weekend thing. We'll get this person to come. Hey, let's do this sort of activity. We'll do this and this. And it came up regularly, but it was just never time to do it. And then sometime in September of last year, God said it's time. I didn't get a letter in the mail. Didn't get a text message from him. No booming voice. No handwriting on the wall. And that's a good thing because usually people die after that happens. I just knew. The timing... Is God's for revival why didn't he send revival sooner no. I have some ideas we weren't ready revival comes when we are desperate that's when revival happens and I think I know after pandemic and hurricanes and decline and difficulties and problems and hurts and pains and I think God knew you know sometime early March y'all gonna be desperate and so he sent a revival when we were ready we couldn't do it we couldn't schedule a revival for the past two years right so I'm kind of off the hook for two of those five and a half years just couldn't have the kind of revival meetings, at least, those things that we think we have to have in order for God to speak to us. But I, I, I do believe over the past, and I told you a few weeks ago back in January, I do believe over the past year and a half-ish, we've been seeing some sparks of revival. A little bit here and a little bit there. The decline in our church stops. It doesn't just stop, but it start going the other direction there's there's a hunger for god's word there's a knowledge of god's sparks here and there just a little bit we see god beginning to work we see the right sequence of events that leads to five baptisms y'all i didn't plan baptism for the week of renew week I don't think I realized that it was the week of Renew Week until about a week or two ago. I'm not that smart. I'm not that good. And yet, this was the week that certain family members, welcome to all of y'all, could be here for this baptism. I don't even remember which person it was that we specifically had to put it on this weekend for, but... I know that there was somebody, this was the weekend that family members could come. So this is the week that was chosen. Five or six weeks ago, the date meant nothing to me at that time. And yet, God puts baptism in Renew Week. Because what better picture, as I said earlier, do we have of renewal than buried with him in death and raised to walk? in the newness of life. What better picture than resurrection do we have for renewal? What better metaphor for our church? What better outcome for our church than a resurrection from death to life? This I told you earlier, this wasn't the week I wanted for a new week. March 6th through 13th wasn't my first choice. It was going to be the, the last week in March, I think. And then I had one person I wanted to preach. I wanted to make sure he was here. And he could not be here that week, the week after, or the week before. He said, how about the first week in March or the last week in February? I'm like, that's not when I wanted to do it. But okay, let's go with the first week in March. Which happened to be the week after Daniel's prayer of repentance. Just so happened. And then I hear a quote this morning uh, from Dietrich Bonhoeffer. You're going to have to remind me because I didn't write it down. Don't even bother looking it up. But basically, there's no church renewal without church repentance. And we have a message, February 20, whatever that was, 6th on repentance, corporate repentance. That wasn't the week I wanted, yet God said this is the week you're having it. Some preachers I called were booked. After I got the one I wanted, I called two or three others. And I hate for folks to think that everybody else was like uh, second string or third string or something. It's not the case. Turns out they were first string. I just wasn't paying attention to the strings. God had the strings. And he said, this is your lineup. And I'm so thankful that was our lineup. Fred was supposed to come Wednesday night. But Fred, like a week after I booked him back in October, said, Man, I'm sorry. I double booked you and I committed to be somewhere else that day. I can't make it to Sulphur. When's another time I can come? And I, went, oh, I don't think I want to do it Thursday night. I, I, that wasn't, I said, Can you come the Sunday night after? And at first I was disappointed. I was like, Nah. I want it connected. I want it to, because he, I don't think he could come Thursday night either. And like Friday night, nobody wants to Saturday, no, Sunday night. And yet now, I see the beauty of having a few days to marinate Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and what has gone on. Come together today to celebrate what has gone on, and then get to come back tonight and hear about the dry bones. Y'all, I'm telling you, if you don't come tonight to hear this message, you're going to miss out. Let me tell you what I knew about Renew Week. Six months ago in October, three weeks ago in February. I knew the verse and the vision. I sent out, well, I put it on Facebook, put it in a couple of places. I sent it to every preacher, every worship leader, everyone involved with Renew Week. I said, this is the vision the Lord has given me for Renew Week. This is why I believe it is time. This is what the Lord is telling me. And I had three, four, six verses that I prayed through. And I don't think I crowdsourced the verses, but then I sent out a, a, a text to the staff and some of my closest uh, companions, Etta, and said, I need rewords. Rewords. I know the week is renewed, but I need words for, the, for the, the messages. And we got like 10 or 12 different rewords. And I prayed through them and eliminated some and looked, I didn't pick. I assigned the preacher to the word, but even that didn't work out exactly because I had Adam on Sunday night, or rather on Monday night, and then found out he couldn't make it on Monday night. He had messed up some uh, his scheduling. He, could he come Tuesday night? Well, okay, that's the, but, you know, the Lord was in charge of the strings, right? I had so little to do with this week, and I'm so glad Because it was Renew Week for God's glory. Not for mine, not for the preachers, not for Quint, not for Jess who did a great job with our kids, not for Josh who did a great job for our youth. It was Renew Week for God's glory because it is renewal for God's glory. See, that's the thing. We don't need to renew our church for any reason other than God. Verse 12 of chapter 2. We encouraged, comforted, and implored each of you, one of you to live worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Or we just go back to verses 4 through 6 where, the guys, uh, the, where Paul says, we didn't do it for anybody's glory except God's. Renewal is for God's glory. We are not renewed, church, First Baptist Sulphur. We are not renewed for us. I don't want renewal of our church so that we can have more tithing members. I could care less if we ever get another dollar. I couldn't care less if we ever get another dollar. Well, Michael, we have to have money to pay the bills. Well, duh. I know that. But I also know that our purpose in life as a church is not to pay bills, but to make disciples. We don't exist to pay bills. So if we got to adjust the bills so that we can make disciples because we're not getting any more tithing members, but we're seeing the lost saved, then I don't care about the bills and I don't care about more tithing members. I don't want renewal so that it will be uh, just an easier job on me to be the pastor. Because let's be honest, it's easier to pastor people that love everybody, including me, That our hearts filled with the Lord's joy, joy, are being discipled regularly, are going to his word. Sure, that would make my job easier. But I didn't sign up for the easy job. Never thought it was going to be easy from the day I said, yes, Lord. And he's proven uh, that right. Renewal is not for a, a better relationship among us. I want us to love each other better, love each other more. But that is not the goal. We're not renewed for us. We don't want renewal so that we have a better reputation among the community. Michael, you just talked about that. You're right, I did. But that's not why we want to be renewed. We want the reputation, but that's not the purpose of renewal. We are renewed to bring God glory. Period. And you know how we bring God glory? By making disciples in obedience to his commands. That's how God gets glory. You want God to be glorified by First Baptist Sulphur? Let's fill that sucker up more often. Let's baptize more people because more people are coming to Jesus. Let's have more people in our D groups, more people reading the Word every day, more people memorizing Scripture. God will get the glory then, and then we don't have to worry about the rest of it. And if God is getting the glory because we are making disciples, you know what's going to happen? We're going to get more tithing members, and we're going to pay the bills. You know what's going to happen if we if make disciples and God gets the glory, I'm going to have an easier job as pastor. And some of y'all going, no, well, in that case, I don't think. No, that's a good thing. It's never easy to disciple people. I had a pastor years ago, and, and I, I don't even exactly remember the context of the message, but I have remembered this uh, for a long time because it was. Terry Booth, and I was in high school at at Ameet Baptist in Denham Springs, Louisiana, or Watson, or wherever it actually is. It's kind of in between. In talking about revival and renewal, he said, I would rather break a wild horse than resurrect a dead one. So as far as an easy job for the pastor, well, ain't neither of those two things easy. But it's a lot easier to get a live horse to calm down than to get a dead one to move. So if we experience renewal and we are obedient and God is getting the glory because of our obedience, because we're making the disciples... We're going to have wild horses to break, and I cherish the opportunity over trying to resurrect a dead one. And if we are making disciples to God's glory, we won't have to worry about our reputation in the community. If we're making disciples, if we're breaking wild horses, we ain't going to have time to fight amongst each other. We're not going to have time to worry about what he said or she said. We're going to be about the work and the community will know we're about the work because we will be changing the community merely by our obedience if we are renewed to God's glory. Every part of that list either helps us make disciples, helps us bring God glory, or are the results of making disciples and bringing, God's glory, bringing God glory But they aren't the goal. The goal is God's glory. Becoming a disciple begins by accepting salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Exactly what these five showed us today. And we bring God's glory individually. The Bible says the angels sing... And Zechariah says, God dances. He's probably a better dancer than me. But that is the result of people being saved. There's no greater glory we can bring to God as individuals than giving him our hearts and our lives. Church, there's no greater glory we can, as a family, bring to God than because of what we have done, because of our obedience, we see lost people come to Jesus. This morning, you can bring God glory. Maybe you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. Maybe you're not even sure what that means. Well, it means that you understand that you're a sinner. Romans 6.23 says, All have sinned. Uh, Rather, it says, the wages of sin is death. Elsewhere in Romans, it says, all have sinned. The wages of sin is death. We all do it. We all are sinners, and therefore, we will be punished for that sin someday. God is righteous, and part of his righteousness is to punish sin. And as sinners who can't change themselves, who can't save themselves, we will be punished. But the gift of God is eternal life. See, wrath, actual, God's wrath, God's judgment, actually brings him glory. It does because he is righteous. He is perfect. And when he judges sinfulness, that brings him glory. But salvation of sinners, those turning to Jesus, that also brings him glory. And I don't know if God can prefer one thing to the other, exactly because he does not have the same emotions that we have, but I'm going to say that since he was willing to send his son to die for us on the cross, that he prefers the glory of a lost sinner coming to Jesus for salvation over and above the glory he receives for judging sinfulness. I'm just going to go out on a limb and say that, and if I'm wrong, he can correct me later. The gift of God is eternal life. But it would not bring him glory if he just blank slated us all and said, You know what? Boy, they all messed up, but I'm just going to... Anybody who wants to... I tell you, you all... He ain't Oprah, okay? He's not saying, You get a salvation, you get a salvation, you get a salvation. Everybody gets a salvation. That's not the way he works. Because that's fun, but that doesn't bring him glory. That's fun, but that doesn't answer his justness. It doesn't answer his righteousness. To just, oh, well, it doesn't matter, because it does matter. It matters so much that the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. He sent his son, said, Your salvation matters so much that it has to be bought with the blood of my son. I, as the second person of the Trinity, taking on flesh, being fully God and fully human, I will have to answer the requirement for salvation. And he gets the glory. But we get forgiveness. We get salvation. So will you give glory to him this morning by trusting him as your savior and maybe that's still a little confusing we're going to have a time here in a bit where we sing and worship and if you have questions and you want to come talk to me i'm going to be over here on on this right hand side amy will be over here on this left hand side we will have a a couple of men in the back who would love to talk to you about that or maybe you just want to grab one of us after the the service and say you know what i saw what happened but what went on before that We would love to explain that to you, because that's us honestly being obedient to make disciples. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you are making disciples, that you are strengthening, that you are changing, that you are renewing us. God, thank you you're not done with our church, and you're not done with any person here this morning. Believer or unbeliever, lost or saved or lost, you're not done with any of us. We're either being made into the likeness of you through sanctification, or you are calling on us today to come to you for salvation, to be made new. But Lord, regardless of what decision we make, I pray today we make the decision to bring you glory. Thank you for this week. May it be merely the beginning, not an end. A means to what you're doing, not an end for us to look back at it and say, wasn't that nice? God, renew us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So what's your decision this morning? You have a next step to take today. Trusting Jesus as Savior Maybe you need to be baptized. You've accepted him, but you need to follow in obedience, just like those five did. Conform your life to Christ. Be more like Jesus, part of your sanctification. Maybe you just need to submit to God's plan and purpose in your life somehow. Tell us what God's been doing and say, you know what, I need to be more like him. Maybe you need to join our church. Whatever it is, I'd love to talk to you about that. Amy will be over here. She'd love to talk to you about that couple of guys in the back but we're going to worship four or five minutes I know we've gone long but if we have baptisms every week I can tell you right now service is going to be longer it's just the way it is and I'll celebrate the fact but we're going to worship right now we're going to do some business with the Lord we're going to ask him I pray especially church members pray that this is the beginning of our renewal not the end of renew week Let's stand, let's sing, let's do business with him this morning.